You are listening to the Two Chumps Football Podcast with Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino, sponsored by Bovada Sportsbook, the leading online sportsbook for all of your wagering needs. If you're a football nut like the two of us, then consider yourself a chump and realize that you're in the right place. Straight up no-nonsense football talk on a weekly basis. Now let's go tackle the issues. Welcome to the Two Chumps Football Podcast. It is your boy, Chad Wilson, your guy, Amo Calamino, and we're getting down to the nitty, super nitty gritty Super Bowl, whatever, whatever, whatever is coming up. What Super Bowl are we on, Amo? Which one are we 58, on? right? 58. I knew he would know. I have no 58. Clue. No idea. I start. I stopped counting the, the Roman numerals when they got really, really big. But we're getting down to the end in the NFL, so that's going to be a big majority, if not all, of our show today. We had last week's games to talk about. They're still hiring and firing coaches and parting parting of ways uh, in the NFL. I'm going to get on my soapbox, I think, a little bit about that issue and topic as there is another significant coaching change that has been made, not head coach, but coordinator-wise, as we do that dance uh, we'll get into that. Plus, we will talk about what Emil and I think about the two games that are coming up, i.e. our picks. We weren't the greatest last week, but we're allowed. We're allowed to slip up here. We're allowed, that week. We're allowed to pull a hamstring on this race to winners uh, that we've had each and every week. And we definitely have some separation. We've got some ground there um, for for so far in the playoffs. We're 500. We're six and six. I mean, I don't know. We are. It's tough, guys. You know, you don't just get to pick. By the way, I'm going to give you a cheat code for you and the listeners of how you can always remember the Super Bowl. Anchor anchor January 1967 in your mind. Uh That's simple. Uh 1967. Just anchor that. So that was the first Super Bowl. So whatever year it is, you subtract, right? So we're on on 2024, right? So that would be 57 years. Mm -hmm. And you add one because the first game was played in January 67. So you got plus one. So it's whatever whatever the difference is in the year from 1967, add one. So next year, it'll be 58 plus one, it'll be 59. I think we could so run all start the way from January 67. That's it. Good, man. So that's how we did that. You guys, oh, are, we did it. you numbers guys and your tricks. All right, Emma, <laughs> let's jump into this. Really, really quick. Um, news breaking within the hour, a couple of hours here. The Miami Dolphins and Vic Fangio, their defensive coordinator, are parting ways. So they will be for the third year of Mike McDaniel's tenure, a third defensive coordinator. And man, Amol, I'm a, I'm kind I'm I'm over all these coaching changes. You know who's most affected in this stuff? It's the players. You cannot get any continuity whatsoever as a player both at the nfl or the college football level there's just a constant um you know and people talk about getting out of your comfort level no one can get comfortable at all and let me ask you this do you know anything because i sent you a tech fanjo's a local guy from up here went to my high school he's he's older than me obviously but Hmm? i said wow they let him go and then i started looking for you know, like that, it didn't really make sense to me. It's not like the Dolphins had a bad year defensively. It's uh, it's been described, mm-hmm. and it there seems to be an intense desire to make this known 
that it was a mutual parting of ways, not McDaniel saying, hey, you're out. We didn't like what you did this year. It was um, Fangio wanting to pursue something else, whatever that may be. And it seems like it would make sense for it to be Philadelphia since there's an opening and he's from up that way. And um, McDaniel's not being blown away. Okay. And then there's a guy available. He's from Northeastern Pennsylvania. So literally where I grew up is 20 miles north of where I am right now. I, I can be in the, on a good day with my heavy foot, I can get down the turnpike and be in this, the parking lot in Philadelphia in an hour 50. So I think, you know, it might make some, that this, this story I might actually believe, you know what I'm saying? It sounds, it sounds logical. Sure. And I, I do wonder why they didn't just make that move last year. I know he came in towards the end of the year, um, and was some type of a consultant. I guess they weren't, they didn't know they would lose Jonathan Gannon like that. And Fangio had since moved on and, you know, got with the Dolphins. And then, and then Gannon, you know, was selected or made his choice to go be right. the Cardinals head coach. Seems a little weird, but however, from the Dolphins side, where things might seem a little bit, you know, more murky, uh, who's going to be your defensive coordinator? And I've heard the name Brandon Staley thrown out there. And so, you know, here's a couple of young guys, maybe a little bit like-minded, so to speak. We don't love Brandon Staley as a head coach. As a head coach, but he can't go for as a defensive coordinator. So I might, you know, maybe he's okay there. Right. You know, they could always just shut his microphone off if he starts with any of that nonsense during a game. And for all intents and purposes in his time with the Los Angeles Rams, he did do well as a defensive coordinator. Now, I will say he had not had that job long enough to experience some adversity and see how he handles it. But that's not even something that we do anymore. Because the moment a guy is good, we go elevating him, depending on who you are. Well, let me but- shock you. Let me shock you. Since we're on, the co- we're going to be talking coaching here for a while. Because it's, you know, we're, we're getting close to the offseason. We only got two games that we're going to talk about this week. So right, it seems like a, a lot of our topics are coaching and changes this week. I'm going to shock you. After I took a step back, you know I do this, and I removed my fan hat, and I let the shock of the Cowboys season come coming crashing down. Mm-hmm. I actually have to defend Jerry Jones in this case. I'm okay with bringing McCarthy back, and I'm going to tell you why. When I looked at it, I said, okay, you know, you just made a point in this segment about – coaching changes that's all we get we get coaching changes so i sat back and said who who have been two of the more successful franchises in the last couple decades where this has been a phenomenon the steelers right Mm -hmm. steelers have had three head coaches since 1970 or something like that chuck noel Mm -hmm. bill cowher Mike Tomlin. Now, there's listeners up in my, up my way are going to say, hey, well, the Steelers haven't won a playoff game, I think it's since 2016. Whatever. Part of that is talent. I, I don't know if this, I mean, I, I'm a big defender of Tomlin because I say, you look at the Steelers rosters, should they be winning playoff games? I mean, just getting there, I thought this year what was, was a hell of a job, okay? Yes, what an accomplishment. So, okay, and then I look at the other organization. The Baltimore Ravens. And and for my money, right now, the best organization in professional football is the Ravens. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in the mix every year. They've won a couple Super Bowls. 
they're they they seem to always field a winning program. How many coaches have they had? Two, yeah. right? Brian Brian Billick and and Harva. I can't think. Am I missing anybody? No, I don't think so. So uh, okay, they did. They didn't leave a mark. So you know, I'm on a little tangent, but what I'm trying to say is, you know, I looked at the my team situation. I said, okay, you fire McCarthy. Now he's won 12 games three years in a row. No matter what people say, I guarantee you, you can't win the Super Bowl unless you make the playoffs. We agree. Oh yeah, uh, it would seem that that's how this thing is set. Seems up. how it works. And winning 12 games in today's NFL is no small feat because there's a ton of parity. Right. So. He's got part of the equation down pat. And you can say, yeah, he's had three disappointing playoff losses. But really, two of them, I thought the 49ers, in retrospect, were a better team. I think this year was the only loss I'd categorize as a bad loss. You were home. You should have probably won. You had better players. Sure. So where do you go? Like A lot of these teams, I guess what I'm getting at is, if you're going to get rid of a coach, you better be sure as hell whoever you bring in is a slam dunk better. Yeah, I'm so glad that you said that because I did have that thought during the week. Like, hey, I am I am glad that Jerry Jones acted his age, which is, you know, uh, at that age, you should have some stability and not be swayed so much by the general public. And I am glad I'm not, you know, I'm not a Cowboys fan per se, but I'm just happy to see something like that. The man, like you said, did win 12 games three years in a row. Let's get some continuity for those players. Let's get let's get some stability. Though it seems you might lose Dan Quinn, maybe, maybe not. How great would it be for those Cowboys guys to have that same head coach and get Dan Quinn back and really, really get comfortable in that system? And listen, man, sometimes you knock. I'm on okay with Al Harris. I'd like to see Al Harris get get promoted if, if Quinn leaves. I'm fine sure, with that. I mean, sure, and if he's going to be, you know, something pretty close to what it was they had. Um, I think that's important. Um, you know, having played ball myself, but watched my two sons go through it, the coaching changes can be, um, they can be a big deal. It's learning something completely new, a new well, system. I guess you, you triggered something in me when you just said that, because I was thinking about it this week and I really hadn't talked to you about it, you know, just shooting back and forth. And I, I, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm looking at Bill Belichick and there doesn't seem to be a line forming for, for Bill Belichick. And now, first of all, don't misunderstand. I have a ton of respect for everything Bill Belichick's done. And I said on our show that I think when people try to separate Belichick and Brady, you can't. Mm -hmm. They each needed each other. And, you know, people point to Brady going to Tampa and winning that year. Yeah, that was nice. And they, you know, they had their cap set up and things worked out. But I'm not sure there is a Tom Brady without a, a Bill Belichick and vice versa. But that being said, two things being true at once, Bill Belichick without Tom Brady as his quarterback overall in the NFL is 29 and 38. Yeah, there's so no way there's no way around that. And what's unfair to Belichick is we didn't really have any extended period of time with Tom Brady outside of Belichick. Yes, he did get that Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. I just have the feeling that things weren't going to continue to go that way in Tampa Bay. Um, we didn't have a situation where there was a Tom Brady before the Patriots, he came into the league in, with the Patriots. So we don't have a situation where he spent four or five years on, on maybe a franchise that was not well run or whatever, a Cleveland at the time to say, ah, oh, man, uh, you know, he wasn't really yeah. all that, you know, so we don't have that situation. 
Um, moving on to Belichick, though, you know, you we had a pre-show discussion and we're wondering why Belichick hasn't landed somewhere. And Emil, I have to think that it is, you know, he's on his second or third interview or discussion with the Atlanta Falcons, who really right now seem to be the only team hardcore interested in doing that. And I think a lot of it has to do with what he requires now at this point in his career with so many years under his belt and great deal of amount of success and what he's been used to. And I think that's probably what's going on. Bill wanting more control over what's put on that field and what's given to him on a roster versus uh, the Falcons do have to think beyond Bill Belichick because it's not like he's going to be there for a decade. I mean, are you familiar with the dynamics around Atlanta sports? And what I mean by that is people don't understand. You remember back in the days, now the Braves are good again, but when they won the 15 division titles in a row? Sure. So you turn on a Braves nationally championship series game and the stadium would be full. Mm -hmm. Okay. And only because I do some business down in that part of the country, I can tell you Atlanta is a weird city in that over time, you know, downtown Atlanta is urban mm -hmm. with a lot of offices for mm -hmm. corporate headquarters. Mm -hmm. So you have your people that are hardcore Atlanta, but it's not a lot. And then you got the suburbs around there, which are very, some really wealthy suburbs with people who've been transferred to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And they bring their loyalties to their team. So it's, it's, it's you know, you could be in Atlanta, you'll find Cleveland Browns fan, Dallas Cowboy fans. Sure. And I, what I'm getting at is I think he fits there because he might bring some juice to the Falcons. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? Like there's might, might draw some interest to them. Right. And, and, and I don't really see him any, I mean, I could see a guy like Arthur Blank saying, yeah, you can have the, the keys to the condominium. <laughs> you can do everything here, Bill. Yeah, but then why hasn't it happened yet? If he's if that's how he thinks, why hasn't it happened? Because yet? I think I think deep down what everybody knows is this is not long term for for Belichick. He's got all the awards he needs. He's 71 years old, you know, he he probably wants to just prove to to the world I can do it without Brady. And how long is he going to do that for? You know, how how long is that? They also be chasing that all-time wins record. Right. So, you know, that's what, two more years, three years if he does well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just don't think there's an appetite. If you're trying to build something, do you really want, like you always said with Miami Hurricanes job, it became, you didn't want it to become a retirement community job. Like when Mark Rick went there. Yeah. I was like, I, yeah, I was like hey. That was my immediate fear. He'll keep driving by the water and the boats. And when things get thick, I don't need this. Yeah, this is fun. I can't let me give me. I have the money. I'll get a boat and go fishing. Yeah, I'm good. I don't have to deal with this. Now. So, I mean, you know, my my concern, I think, and I think other owners are looking and going, you know, if I want to build something, yeah, he's an all time great, but he's done all the winning he needs to do. How much is that fire burning? Right. And I can't think of another coach. I mean, Jimmy Johnson tried it with the Dolphins. But another legendary coach that did that, you know, Walsh left the game with the 49ers. The only guy, I'll give him credit. Give some credit where credit is due. The only guy that had some good success on on a second or third act, I think, was Parcells. You know, he he, he won with the Giants twice. He People don't realize, younger listeners, I mean, the Patriots were really bad. I mean, mm -hmm. pre-Belichick, 
when they the year I think they took Curtis Martin, they were horrible. Right. And you know, within a short short order, he had them back. Now they lost the Super Bowl, but he had them back in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's just not a normal thing to see happen. And maybe it's different for Bill. Maybe he'll get another gig. It's kind of Atlanta or nothing, don't you think, at this point? Uh, I don't see. I don't think he's going. You know, again, first of all, I think we have too many openings every year. Generally speaking, the NFL turns over 25% of its head coaches every year. And, you know, another team, you know, in the, we were talking in the leading up to the end of the year, everybody wondered uh, Eberflus, is that how you say his name? The yeah. Chicago coach. Is he going to get fired? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, for what? They fired not for, strong. You know? How's he going to fired for what? His quarterback was hurt a chunk of the season. When he got him back, they played pretty good offensive football. They, they need pieces on offense. They were competitive when they had their starting quarterback. What do you want to fire him for? I mean, how many coaches can you fire? And to get who, as you always say. Again, that's that's what, you know, if you really want to have a conversation with a fan and, and you got to start with, and, and I do this to myself, to check myself when I get carried away, is, okay, then who? Here. Right. Give me a name. Give You'll me say a, something absurd. Because everybody thinks it's, you know, don't get me wrong. I get it. You know, coaching's important. And getting the guys ready to play, but these are professional football players. Okay, right. what I what I will kill a coach more for is time management, situational things. Right, like my thing what frustrates me on my team, McCarthy managing the clock. He does some goofy things at the end of halves and games, mm -hmm. but like, is it his fault that his team wasn't ready for prime time? He won twelve games. He had them ready most weeks. So yeah, why something silly happened there, Emil? It just did not seem like the Cowboys. Well, you said all along you thought defensively it was Quinn looking for jobs, and that could be something. But you know, could be. Again, there's a lot of preparation that goes into just, that. You see that stuff happen in sports, and what I always say is, at some point, the players have to be accountable. Big time, you know, what's that say? Big time players make big plays in big yeah, games. Sure, so, sure. I think it's a, you know, there's a mixture of both there. I mean, you do need a game plan. Um, if we're not, if we don't want to call it that, then, you know, shoot, why do we talk about Lombardi? Why do we talk about Reed? Why do we talk about... 100%, and that's, that's in a close game, game plans to me are where, where you get... In any game, if you're out executed or out, if it's, you know, strategic, fine. When you come out, it's a flat tire like that. I just don't know how much you can blame the coach. If it happened eight out of 10 weeks, sure, you'd say, well, the coach obviously has lost the locker room. But if it's a one-time thing, sometimes the moment, not everybody's built, like Derek Jeter would say, yeah. not everybody's built for the big moments. No, that's and that's true. There's only a handful of Jordans and Kobe's and uh, guys of that nature and the Derek Jeters of the world. Speaking of coaching changes, potential coaching changes, Emil, if, <laughs> if he's head faking us, this has to be one of the most elite of head fakes uh, with Jim Harbaugh right now going for second and third interviews and hardcore. Um, there, it doesn't even seem like rumors anymore about him and the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, we've seen this with him before where he flirts with the league and it ends up coming back. But this time he's going pretty, pretty hard. What do you do if you're Michigan right now in terms of recruiting? Because we're still in that season and you're still trying. To I think he knows something about that kid that allegedly went rogue with the 
you know, the the the, the disguise on the side Facebook glasses. <laughs> yeah, because the NCAA rule says that even if Harbaugh was unaware of it and didn't direct it, if it's proven to be whatever they call their highest violations, it's still the coach's responsibility. And if it's a coach's responsibility, he can then be fired for cause. And I think that's a hang up in that the language. And I, I, you know, I'm getting, I'm starting to believe more and more he's going to end up in the NFL just because I don't think he wants to deal with it. Yeah. Um, man, you know, we didn't talk about this last week, but I'm super annoyed with the NCAA. Doesn't take much. I've been annoyed with them for probably the entirety of my life since <laughs> I understood what they do or what they don't do. But the recent, uh, I don't. I guess the words are attacks, but causes of action brought against Florida State of all people. Yeah. Um, and then now they're going after Florida for Jaden Rashada. Um, and it's okay. What are you guys doing there? Are you just picking and choosing? Is there a not, there's a whole SEC conference there that's do, I know stuff. Okay, and I wouldn't call. I would not call myself an insider, but I know things that have been done that are tampering, which is going and offering kids money, NIL money, that are on other teams' rosters. This <laughs> happens. I know it happens. And you guys don't – you you don't see that? And yeah. certainly on Florida State's head because they made a little noise about the way things went at the end of the year? You just look like the mob. You look like a rogue organization running – They are the mob. It's a it's – No, crap. they are the mob. They Listen, it's it, it's not, it seems like retribution to me. It's like Florida State, you know, pointed out very loudly the flaws in your in your four team system and the joke that it was. Hey, we played a power five schedule. We won all our games. And now you're going to decide like we're playing gymnastics here. They also to, made hard overtures to depart the ACC. I guess they're not supposed to do that. Everybody oh, yeah. Leave yeah. It's not these guys. Get and, back in line, okay, and, and pay the boss. <laughs> I'm never going to be one to be like, oh, man, I feel sorry for Florida State or Florida, but golly, come on, man. Like, what are you guys doing? You've looked and the other way. It's so never their, their, their rainmakers they go after anymore. They finally figured it out after our schools, our, our teams, Miami and USC, unjustly took a hit. Right. And now they finally figure out, hey, you know, probably wasn't real good to do that for, for our bottom line. They don't go after Alabama. It's unbelievable. Yeah, they it, don't go after Georgia. They don't go after Ohio State. No, they won't cut their arm off. So no, should the organization directly benefiting monetarily from the activity be the one policing it? It seems really stupid to me. But um yeah that that whole listen if you if you want to get in here hardcore ncaa and start handing out doing investigations and you want to start handing out penalties and taking away scholarships and keeping people off of tv how about you come up with some serious you know stringent strict um clear rules on what can and can't be done with nil and let's come up with some common sense rules for the portal so that at least there's something out there that can look like structure before you guys go handing out the, the savior of college football is the deep south because because of the tradition and history and the way you guys treat it down there mm -hmm. they can get away with some stuff because nick nick sees the nick saw the writing on the wall you know the minor league football comment 
basically told you what Nick was thinking. Sure. And it's essentially, it really, it really has, you know, it's devolved to that. It's, it's, we've, I've said it a time and time again, every day I see a new thing pop on my bleacher report. You know, what, what is CJ Stroud's given a big chunk of money to the NIL initiative. The money grab. And again, this is going to sound like I'm not for the players getting money. I am. I just don't like the wild, wild west, untamed nature of it. It seems absurd, ridiculous. And I don't even want to say with the potential to get out of hand, because I think we're already there. We need some structure in place, NCAA, before you go investigating people and handing out penalties. Let's lay down some structure, like wake up, be like, be a dad. Don't be, listen, don't be a dad that just has stuff going on, all kind of crazy. And then one day you just walk in the door, you start grounding people and pulling out the belt and hitting folks. This is what it looks like. You've let the kids eat ice cream for breakfast. You've let them put crayons to the wall. You've let them stuff the toilet. You've let the dog shit on the couch. And then suddenly you're going to come in here now because someone put an empty carton in the refrigerator. Now you're going <laughs> AWOL. You're going AWOL. It's a good analogy. It's but I mean, we, we went from an era where we had all kind of crazy rules, right? Kids home in the dorm, Thanksgiving, can't afford a plane ticket home. Ah, yeah. right. <laughs> did, you, did you give them a Christmas gift early at Thanksgiving dinner? Did that oh. kid get a free sandwich? Oh, oh my God. We went from that to rules. Who needs any stinking rules? Right. Kids pulling up to his announcement in a Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, NCAA. Thanks for nothing and then something at the same time. Let's talk about what happened on the field last week um, in these games. And, you know, we could mix our picks in there as well. Well, we have four of them, right? Let's just go in order beginning to end. First game of the weekend was that Ravens-Texans game. And I have to admit, you know, more so than you, I know you you liked the Texans in that game. I didn't pick the game on the show. I did like the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um, at halftime, I was surprised. You know, uh, the Texans were were hanging around, and I was like, hey, Chad might be onto something here. You know, the punt return obviously was a huge play. And it was 10-10 at the half. Second half, what did you see? Would you think the Ravens just figured out defensively? No, it's funny, Emil. You felt that way about a game you didn't pick, and the team you would have picked ended up winning. I had a team that eventually lost and didn't cover the number, but by halftime, I felt like Houston was in trouble. Your only way of scoring was that punt return. You're really a team that feeds off of what goes on offensively, and you couldn't really find your way there. And I thought they would do more off. I thought they would look a little differently offensively, and it wasn't happening. And I realized that's going to work against them in the second half. It's a playoff game. You're on the road. The crowd's going to be against you. You're not hot offensively, so it's going to get colder. Uh, and when you, if you continue to have these stall drives and inability to move, you're going to get avalanched. They're going to start Baltimore will get control of the game. They will knock off runs, whether it's Gus Edwards or it's Lamar Jackson, they'll start hitting throws over the middle. They'll, and then if you fall behind, you start getting sacked. The, the, the pass rush will be too much balls get popped up in the air. 
I've seen enough playoff football to know, and I didn't feel good with a tie score at halftime with them on the road. If they were in Houston, I'd have been like, hey, okay. You know, even if you're an underdog at home and you, we felt like the Ravens were a better team, if it's 10-10 in Houston, okay. 10-10 in Baltimore and your only score was a punt return, I didn't feel good. And it, you know, it played out that way. The mistake that, you know, and I'm not here to piss on Houston season because they went from three wins to, you know, whatever it was. You can't be unhappy as a Texan. can't be unhappy. But the most talking heads and announcers on these games make mistakes when, as the game's ending, they assume, here's Houston. They did this. Well, God, they got to go up here. And what they forget about the NFL or in any sport, for that matter, is a couple of things. Houston had the benefit last year of grabbing two top 10 picks. That's over, okay? Because when you start winning, obviously, you go backwards in the draft. Mm -hmm. Second thing is your schedule gets harder. You know, and you see that a lot of times with baseball teams, like you're a Yan Yankee fan, the Orioles. A great year. I don't know if the Orioles are going to do that again. They keep sure. draft. They drafted in the top five, five years in a row or something right. like that. So, I mean... Do I think Houston should improve? Sure, but they've got areas. They're going to have a harder schedule next year. We'll see. I mean, what did you, know, you see game wise there? Like, why didn't it happen for them, in your opinion? Well, I just don't think they have the horses. You know, CJ Stroud had a great year. He's, I mean, going to be rookie of the year. Uh, their number two receiver's been out. Tank, you know, Tank Dell's been out, right? It sure would have helped to have that. Would have helped. Dalton Schultz, the old cowboy, dropped. A couple key passes early in that game. Yeah, he turned into a pumpkin a little bit. There. He turned into a pumpkin. He's allowed you know, to have a booger, again, but you know, that Baltimore defense is really solid, especially by today's standards. I mean, there's, you know, they get a little soft sometimes in coverage, but you can't run the ball on them. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a good defense. Yeah, I agree. No, I, no. I, to me, it was just that was they have better players. I mean, to make it simple. No doubt. And we have the same kind of story in the second game with the Packers and the 49ers, except I felt differently in that game at halftime because what, what was our score at halftime? Um, close, very close. Yeah, it was tight. I forget the exact but score. I but I felt better about what was going on with the Packers. They're moving the football um, and they seem like they're going to have opportunities to get in that end zone in the second half. And then on top of that, Brock Purdy wasn't on his game. We can go on and on about what kind of quarterback people think he is. I've heard that whole BS going on the whole week. Are you a guy that can predict the future or may have a mean poker face? How about a love for horses or you just know who's going to win the game? Don't just be a profit, make a profit. And you can do that when you open an account at Bovada Sportsbook and Casino today. Whether it's getting down on the gridiron action, wiping out the dealer in a card game, making some change on the race of the ponies, or cashing in on celebrity events, Bovada Casino is the place for you to draw your line. Since 2011, Bovada has been a leader in the online casino industry, spearheaded by their top-of-the-line customer service, easy deposit, secure payouts, and great welcome bonuses. Head over to Bovada now to see what they're offering you to come in and scratch that itch you're having. Click on the link in the description and tell them the Gridiron Stud Show sent you. He's a solid quarterback. He's a good quarterback. Yeah, he's a good quarterback. Out there. So, you know, get over yourselves. He just wasn't on point. And I just felt like the Packers were going to be able to hang around in that. There's, uh, you know, in that, in this game, I, I, I swear I was going to pick up the phone and call you. Because if I see this again, and I will this weekend, 
these guys, early in that game, it might have been the second quarter, the Packers were down around the 10 or 12-yard line, fourth and three. Can It might have even been the first quarter. Can we just kick the field goal? There's nothing wrong with scoring. Seriously. Well, the story the has always been early in the game, you take points. Unless you're going up against a King Kong offense, you need to know field goals aren't going to get it done today. But take the points. Like, continuously put pressure on. And the other thing is you never, like, you know, and I know we've talked about this. Fans have trouble. They'll say, well, if Green Bay took those three points, the game would have been tied and went overtime. Well, we don't know that because the game would have been played differently from that point forward. Sure. But what I do know is there's nothing wrong in the first half of a game. I mean, if it was, it was fourth and half a yard, maybe. Fourth and two or three, kick the freaking field goal. You don't know how the game's going to play out. You might need those points at the end of the game. It's early. There's no reason. I don't get it. I just, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, I've been impressed with how the Packers closed out the year. Beginning, middle of the year, Amol, you remember, I'd made a couple picks with them, and I was like, oh, okay, I don't know what the deal is there. Impressive the way they closed out. I don't understand what spirit animal got up in jordan love on that final play it was it, i think brett Favre grabbed his ps2 controller and <laughs> jumped inside of him because i don't understand a crossbody throw to where three defenders were i don't understand that when you just needed to get in the field goal range but outside of that amel they had a great year good job offensively and you got to see the genius of matt lafleur and it just makes me wonder what was going on there with aaron Rodgers. was he the problem he might have been. I mean, listen, there's some risk. You know, Green Bay's in a, an odd position, right? They're probably going to hand Jordan Love. No, not probably. They're going to hand Jordan Love a lot of money. Unless he has a disaster of a next season. No, I think in this offseason, they're going to do an extension with him. Really? I do. And we know there's a risk with paying a guy off one season. Now, I'm, that doesn't mean I'm saying don't misunderstand. We do it all the time in this league, but yes. I'm not saying Jordan Love isn't going to be really good. I think he will, but I don't know that. You know, he had a weird season in that the first half of the year, he was throwing a lot of picks. Then all of a sudden, he got hot as hell. Mm -hmm. I think he was 18 touchdowns, one pick for seven or eight games. Any way you slice it, that's pretty damn impressive. Yes, and then he threw a couple in this game. He, he has some things he gets away with because he's got a strong arm. He makes some throws off weird platforms into windows. You know, there's going to be film on him. All I'm saying is I've seen guys that you, you have too where they do that, and some keep going, they keep getting better, and they become Patrick Mahomes. And some, it's like, that was a mirage. The league figured it out. What did I talk about during the year with these all these backups that came in? That third start. Guys, you know, turn into a pumpkin, my favorite saying. No, I'm not, listen, I think you're probably right. There's probably something with Aaron Rodgers there that wasn't yeah, I think. Yeah, I think he brought friction, unnecessary friction there, thinking he was smarter than what it was the coach was trying to do. And uh, that was a really big disconnect. You think there's a part of Devontae Adams that's like, ah, probably should have stayed in Green Bay. Would have been nice to be with this guy. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to stay with the organization. You know, you can't just follow. Sure. You got to trust the organization. Like, now, the thing I didn't understand, the Packers being a good organization, they rebuilt the nice offensive line. All year, the kicker was a problem, and they never addressed it. You know, I mean, they just kind of 
you know how these you know how these playoffs work um that whatever that thing was that nagged at you is going to show up in the postseason well game. especially kickers kickers yeah. are going to decide one i don't care how dominant your team is if you're in the postseason for three to four games there's going to be a game where your kicker is vital in you winning yeah he's he's on the he's on front and center you got to show up or we're dead and yeah it it popped off that yeah way. but that was a good pick you had i mean i have to say Packers I really felt like one of those were going to hit. Uh, I just, you know, I just felt like that. I wouldn't I say hey, this, I'm going to go 2 I, I, I figured I'd split it. And we're, you know. You're, let me ask you this. And the old school part of me says you want the buy, but I'm starting to wonder with the way the playoffs are structured and only the top two teams getting a buy. I'm not sure it's an advantage unless you're totally beat up. Like, I mean, maybe if you got a year where you had guys with tons of it nagging injuries and that week helps you because here's the way I see that now most of the teams that get the bye already have it secured by week 18 the final week of the season okay so they either don't play their starters or only play them a quarter so essentially you got a team that didn't play that week then they get a week off then they come play so they're basically three weeks between really playing meaningful football and i'm i'm starting to wonder if that isn't the, a disadvantage yes because i mean I'm, the 49ers did not look sharp i'm gonna have to dig into that i would counter with okay the bye does also come with home field advantage throughout but is is home field as as advantageous as it has been in the past because hey listen i heard a story where God, I forget who the who the the analyst is from ESPN that talks the basketball guy. It'll come to my mind, but he says, and he played in the '90s, and he said, "Listen, when I first got on, and I, we were with, I was with Golden State, we traveled commercial. Um, these guys travel so well now; they stay in the greatest places. There's, I don't want to use the word pampered, but it's so much different now. The terms of the travel, yeah, there's the crowd noise if you, you know, for mm -hmm. your office, but everything else, it's not as difficult as it has been in the past. And like you said, you're laying off for quite some time, and then to try and re, like reheat, you know. I mean, even even to a certain extent, the Ravens weren't sharp the first half offensively. No, they weren't. And they weren't. No, their defense, their defense carried the day. So what yeah, I they weren't as dominant as they'd been in certain games, like yeah. for instance the San Francisco. I mean, I mean, I know it's crazy to fans, but I'm starting to really question how much of an advantage it is because I think there's only you and I could probably do this someday, but off the top of our head, I'd say there's six five, six venues where I'd say there's a true home field advantage. Denver, because of the altitude. Kansas City because of the weather and the crowd. Green Bay because of the weather and the crowd. You know, we could go through a couple. I'd venture to say Buffalo if they're not playing Kansas City. is a Buffalo, um, you know, and may maybe if you want to throw in a Seattle because it's unusually, the way it's built, Seattle's yeah. usually loud. So maybe there's five or six venues, right? But honestly, like, I'm not sure there's a huge home field advantage, even though Dallas plays well there. I don't think there's a huge home field advantage there. Yeah, um, I would. I would. I don't think the Rams have a huge home field advantage. Oh, no. They no, they might have the least of any team um, out there. Sliding to the Sunday games, I, mean, I gotta, I gotta tell you, 
As this thing's going back and forth with Detroit and Tampa early on, I'm thoroughly impressed with a nine and eight Tampa team that I had doing zero this year. Yeah. I, I had them nowhere near the playoffs that they won a first round game and didn't get their heads blown off early and often, you know, they didn't get completely erased off the field. Um, I'm totally impressed with, with that. I mean, we could call it a good job by Todd Bowles. We'll talk about what the hell he was doing at the end of the game there in a minute. Well, they were there all afternoon. It wasn't just early. Yeah. Or were they, or is it just the galvanizing? I'm one of the boys nature of Baker Mayfield, whatever it was, I was impressed by it. Um, maybe you chalk it up to Detroit just being really green when it comes to playoff games, but they played well. Detroit was playing a good game and Tampa was right there with them. So I was impressed by that. Ultimately, you know, Detroit got the win, the cover, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm impressed by Tampa Bay. So a moral victory there. Amo, we got to talk about, I'm so sick of seeing this. I'm so sick of the end of the game. Clock management. What do you got? Look, do you guys? Well, what I didn't understand was his logic because he 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 took a timeout. Why delay the inevitable is what he's what? He's yeah. there's a punt, a kick. There was another action that needed to be taken down yeah. where anything could happen. Todd Bowles, maybe you want to rethink that. Maybe. He took a timeout home with him, and here's the thing: like if for fans, and if he took the timeout, Detroit would have been left with the decision to field either punt something, a trial on field goal, which I doubt they would have done. Because we know field goals get blocked, that would have iced the game. But to uh, to my point, it, if they tried it, it could have been blocked and returned. They would have had a punt. Sure, nine hundred and ninety-five out of a thousand snaps in the NFL are probably perfect. You just need one to go around. You just need one over the punter's head, and in a pressured moment. Yes. So I mean, like, why would you not try to exhaust your? It's a one-score game. Exhaust every opportunity. Dude, I'm calling timeouts when you're taking a knee because yes. it's the end of the season. All right. I am going to do everything that I can. Maybe you've got a Jameis Winston on your team that might try to hand a ball off to somebody and Joe Pasarchik that thing for our older audience. Right. And you pick it up and run it in. Like you don't get to frame that timeout and hang it on your wall when you get home. <laughs> no. God bowls. I don't know. But anyway, he did, you know. Great After, season, though. We roasted him for a while, but but he did a hell of a coaching job because, you know, Tampa Bay, Mayfield is a gunslinger, and they have Mike Evans, who seems to get butterfingers recently. He's been dropping a lot of balls, but yeah. a good receiver. But there's not a ton to work with this year coming in. It was supposed to be a reset year for them, and to be in the playoffs and actually win a playoff game, pretty good. Yeah, they're an interesting team this offseason between the draft and free agency. If they can add some key pieces in a division where it, there's nothing there to be afraid of, you know, you've got uh, a coach that was fired. You've got another coach that was fired. And then you got another coach who we all thought was going to get fired. Yeah, like well, hey. that's the theme of the show. You know, I mean, I think coaching, that's why coaching, this stuff you're talking about is why coaching continuity is underrated. If, if you go into an off season and you keep continuity, assuming you're having some success, obviously, if you're, yeah, you can't if you're the LA chargers, you don't want continuity. You want up. No, but if you're having some success, you go into the free agency in the draft, knowing where you need to improve, knowing the system you're running, right. Knowing who you need to target to improve. If you 
change for the sake of changing and you've had some success, like a Tampa even, you just change your coach. Well, okay, now you go to free agency, you got a whole new system. So now I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how the guys are going to mesh together. What do I need to add? I'm not sure because I'm running right. an entire differently different. Right. Different can my, can the quarterback here run the offense? Will this can will this receiver be good? Can we can this defensive end pass rush or we're oh oh we're going to ask him to stand up and drop in coverage now? All these things come into question. So there's something to be said for that. Finally, um, another <laughs> episode in the trilogy, the saga. That is Buffalo, Kansas City, and Amol man. I feel I I feel for the city of Buffalo for oh, the organization. For they the- invent ways, you know. I never saw an organization, okay, that invents ways to break the heart of a loyal fan base like Good. the Bills. Did you see the guy at the end that just fell into his chair and broke into tears? Oh yeah. I was like, that's that guy went through the 90s. He went through the 90s with the Bills. I that mean, here's the here's the way I look at the Bills. You know, this coming from a Cowboys fan that recently has suffered some some of these indignities. I got to see five Super Bowls, okay? Right. I got to see my team go to eight of them. Right. The Bills literally they, they saw they, four Super Bowls. They lost them all. Okay. And then they're in position to win these games. Like the like a couple of years ago, fans will remember. All they have to do 13 seconds. Right. 13 seconds. And he squib kicks it. He squib kicks it. Next thing you know, the Chiefs are on the 35-yard line. You know, you make – we talked about, um, you know, some of them. But, you know, you make a bad coaching decision in games like this. That'll happen. But the way that they just so work out in the worst way, every time uh, McDermott makes – a bad decision. It's like it. It just. Well, what was the one? Wasn't it the Titans in '99? They threw the ball backwards on the kickoff and returned yeah. it to win the game. I mean, they invented ways. They have to lose playoff games. This game, this kid, that was not a long field goal. And as I texted you during the game, at some point the refs needed to involve themselves. The game yeah. was going along nicely, and then next thing you know, it's like, hmm. Maybe we need a pass interference here on the bullshit call. Okay. Have you enjoyed? I have enjoyed the memes on Twitter um, having to do with the referees in Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, I like when they have them in the huddle with Mo. <laughs> I mean, I saw a really good one today, and it had referees with the black stripes replaced with red candy stripes, and said the referees, if the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl. Fans are so over. But I mean, during the game, I texted you. I said, here we go. (laughs) They're hell bent on not seeing Taylor Swift in Super Bowl 58. But man, that brings us to, we got to pick a couple games here. These conference championships are here and we are here to pick them. And we got to get to it. Or quick recap if you want. Let me give you the line. First game. Yes. We have the Ravens at home. Mm-hmm. Three and a hook to Taylor Swifties. All right. I'm going to go here first. You know, when we get down to the playoffs, Amel and I do talk pre-show about who we want. And I told him it's going to be a game time decision. Um, And it really has come down to that. I was going back and forth as we do this show with who I'm going to take. 
And after talking about the games that were played last week and some of the things throughout the season, I really just had to sit here and think and say, I I don't want to get spooked by what the Chiefs did last week. It may just be a situation where you have the Bills' number. I'm really going to think about the team that the Chiefs were all year versus the team that the Ravens were all year. And the Ravens did not show a dent this year. Yeah, they lost a couple of games, sure. But when it was real and they needed to be there, they have shown up, uh, case in point, the San Francisco game in San Francisco. They have shown up when it has meant something. And we're not talking about the Bills. We are talking about the Baltimore Ravens. And while the team and their quarterback has never been to that show, the, the head coach has. He's been there. He knows what it looks like. Some of his assistants have. Some of the people upstairs, people around the organization, the bus driver probably knows. And so there's not a there's not a organizational wide feel of uh we don't get past this point. They've been there. And I think the way they're playing ball this year, the way Lamar Jackson seems to be hell-bent on overcoming and doing it. And he's been a guy who's taken criticism, listened and improved. There's, And then at the end of the day, man, we're talking about a really good organization in the Baltimore Ravens. I know where my rooting interest was going to lie. I think it's the best in the NFL, if you want me to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there. I really with, do. Yeah, from soup to nuts, man, they really are. And I knew where my rooting interest was going to lie, no matter what I picked. But I'm going to align my pick with my rooting interest, but not for that reason. This has been a solid team all year. I'm going to rely on the long. I'm going to look at the long and the big picture. Baltimore has been a good team all year. Um, it's difficult to get where you need to go on that defense. Um, Lamar's on point. And I'm noticing there's a lot of different guys he can get that ball to. Isaiah Likely, um, you know, and the guys out on the edges, you can run the ball. There's different ways. And now. his style does it. I don't think because of the way he kind of plays the position and, he, you know, he's, he's like a joystick, a human joystick. I'm not sure you really need that, you know, receiver number one, you know, like the, the Tyreek Hill or the CD lamb. I'm not sure. No, you need that. he can, he can, he can, he can put it, he can put yeah, he it. Puts it there's many like a good ways. point guard. He's out. He's, he's distributing yeah. the basketball. You know? Yes. There's so many ways for them to get first down. Folks, you know what I need for this pick? See, that's called whiteout. Because yeah. prior to the show. I was moving in Kansas City's direction, but man, I got it. He and came he, back. He came back to sanity. I came back and thought about who Kansas City has been this year. Yeah. It's been a team without a real number one receiver. They've been a team that's dropped the football. There's been a team who at times have had a problem getting the football to Travis Kelsey and have just looked off center. The defense has been solid all year, but now you're going up against something you really have not had a chance to look at. And that's a Lamar Jackson with guys to distribute the football to. And that's going to be a really, I really mean, good and Let's be fair here. They, they won the first game against the Dolphins. I mean, my pick's the Ravens. I'll be full disclosure. The Chiefs won the first game against the Dolphins. That game was over when the Dolphins got off the plane. Yeah, I mean, we they, could write They that. wanted no part of – you could just see they were not prepared, the weather alone. And that's not to take anything away from the Chiefs. I'm just being honest with you. Yeah. And I really believe last week is just a, 
one of those things, it's like boxing matches. Sometimes certain fighters are a problem, even if the other guy theoretically is the better fighter. It's just, yeah. and I think the Bills are probably, you know, if they each played the same 17 teams, I think the Bills probably end up with a better record than, than the Chiefs. The Chiefs has had two tailor-made games in these playoffs, I think. And, and, and you know, they're I running think, into something different. And that's why I think you came back to your sanity on this one. I think the Ravens have shown all year that they've risen to the moment. And I, I think the Chiefs' lack of weapons on the outside in a game like this is going to be a problem because they're not going – I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball on the Ravens the way they did at certain points last week against the Bills. I think the Ravens are going to shut that crap down immediately. Yeah, now and we got to throw the ball around. Now we got to throw the ball to yeah. guys that we don't trust. Yeah, and I just keep going back to the Ravens and all what they have. Uh, Zay Flowers, there's Bateman. Odell can jump up in this game. Isaiah Likely, you got a running game. The and Ravens can beat you in all three phases. Yeah. They, they can beat you. And they've got a return man. Yeah. Right. And they have they have the best kicker in NFL history. Yeah, and I think, yes. Yes, statistically and otherwise. Yes. Um, I just think maybe, maybe the odds maker just tried to play with our heads and making them only three points. Cause you know, I get an idea of my head when these things come mm -hmm. together, when the games were over last week, I don't want to see the line. I get an idea of what a line is going to be. And in my head, I said five and a half. Mm -hmm. It came out three. I was like, Oh, what? Three and a half for our purposes. We have to give. Well, the it's book. been moved to three. And I, and a half. I, I will it. say this. I think in most games, the big advantage the chiefs have, is, you know, Andy Reid is one of the top three or four, if not the top coach in the league. We can debate that, but he's definitely in the top three or four. Sure. And most games they play, there there is an advantage with Andy Reid. You know, I mean, not a shot at Sean McDermott. Andy Reid's a better football coach at this point than Sean McDermott. Yes. I can't say that this week. This is a guy that's in that conversation. Well, he's he's going to meet his match. Amol, yeah. how... What do we say? I mean, obviously looking ahead. What do we say if the national champion is Jim Harbaugh and the Super Bowl champion is John Harbaugh? Like, if if your dad, if you're the senior Harbaugh, what a moment! The father, uh, the father's a funny guy. They had him on TV during that. I mean, Jack, Jack is that guy. He's more Jim than John, by the way. But um, yeah, what a proud moment that would be for Jack Harbaugh if that happens. But anyway, I've. I'm with you, man. I've got the so Ravens. We're both giving the Ravens minus three and a half. The second game, I'll be quick. I'll let you talk more. I'm, we're probably going to diverge unless you change. The line is seven, and I know I, I know there's talk. Debo Samuel won't be 100% if he plays, and I get all that. But here's what I, I'm leaning on what I said in the first part of this show. Last week, I, I always feel this way. With, I'm a big football, baseball guy like you. I I always worry about my team in baseball in that five-game series, which has been, I'm a Dodger fan, that's been the bugaboo the last couple of years. Really good 100-plus win teams getting beat by the Padres and D-backs, teams that were inferior that were inferior to them all season. But they have those four or five days off the rust, and I worry about that series. I always say, get me by that series, and I feel really good. That's the way I feel about the 49ers. Last week, they had to knock some rust off. They sat around for three weeks. I felt like if somebody's going to catch them, maybe that's the week. I, I think the fan fans are looking 
people picking games, not a shot at you if you go the other way, and saying, oh, I saw what the 49ers did last week, and the Lions are better than the Packers, and they have more firepower. But I think you're going to get a different version of the 49ers this week, a better version. And I also think the Lions' defense is going to be a problem here. Tampa Bay moved the ball well over 400 yards. They weren't garbage yards. They went up and down the field. And I think if the Lions have a couple Jared Goff moments early in the game where he throws a pick or something, this has the potential for a blowout. That's just the way I see it. I'm not going to overthink it. The 49ers, to me, were the better team all year. Um, I, I mean, there's some merit to what you're saying there, obviously. Um, however, I just love the way – I love the grittiness of the Lions. Uh, I love – the way they have a never say die attitude. Um, I love what they have going on there. And San Francisco at several times this year um, have looked very beatable. Sure. They had that three game stretch um, where they were missing Debo. I believe it was. Then whatever that was when the Ravens came into town and just totally smacked them around. And I think they're vulnerable. I, I will say, Emil, I think this line is is spot on. In my mind, well, I keep getting a third. Seven, seven is the number that I, I, I kind of expected this. The difficult and number. I can really see a 31-24 score. It keeps popping up in my head. Sure. Um, and in that case, man, we, there's no winners and losers in this thing. But I just don't see San Francisco running away here, especially if Debo's not playing or up to snuff. Yes, the Bucks did move the football on Detroit. But so did Green Bay. And if there's something Detroit can do is run the football. But, he, but here's where I think, and again, I think we underestimate. I did last week. You didn't. Good for you. The effect Lafleur coming off the Shanahan tree has. In other words, they know each other, mm -hmm. and that's kind of an advantage for an underdog because you know they're just trying to hang in the game, and they did. They, they right. were they, they were in the game all night. <clears throat> in this game, you don't necessarily have that, and I think you know for whatever it's worth, I know it's an NFC Championship game. And I'm not saying these guys aren't doing their best, but Detroit's got distractions. They've got both their offensive and defensive coordinator True. interviewing for jobs. True. And, you know, I just listen, if I knew, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to work. I'm just saying, I just got it's a gut feeling. And I see how you have a gut feeling on the Lions have been gritty all year. And it, and the back door might be opened all afternoon if they fall behind. Yeah, I keep getting 31-24 in my head. Um, you know, so it, the number might be right on. Man, we could go two minutes into this game and be like, oh, yeah, okay, this is going to be a runaway. Well, nobody, listen, I, part of me is I'd really like to see – I mean, I'm not picking it this way, so I don't want people to think I'm picking – you know, there's a part of me as a fan that would love to see a Ravens 49ers rematch kind of <laughs> You know, I hate rematches. I hate it. It puts Well, you're getting one either way if the Ravens win because they played the Lions already. Yeah, I do. I do understand that. And that's, you know, kind of how these things have worked a lot lately. But yeah. Um, yeah, man, I just feel like it's going to be tighter than maybe some people think. And so I'm going to I'm going to ride with Detroit. They've got a running game um, and they just got some juice. The defense, the defense does worry me a little bit, but the way Purdy's been playing down the stretch here, 
He better be on point because if he's not, it's going to be some serious disappointment. Yeah, this is one of those games, you know, I, I think midway through the second quarter, for, as far as point spread goes, I got a feeling we're either going to know one way or the other. Like you can get a feeling as in a game. I like think this. in the first quarter, we're going to know what's up. Well, yeah. I mean, if Detroit hangs around and it's seven, nothing Detroit at the end of the first quarter or seven, seven, I'd feel good if I were you. Uh, conversely, you know, this is one where if the 49ers, I think it could be the old snowball down the hill. They get yeah, 10, nothing, 13, nothing right off rip. All right. You know, yeah. They'll fight, but they'll get avalanched. Kind of what I said. I felt like in that, in you know, at halftime with Houston and Baltimore. Yeah, I know when that avalanche. I could see the snow piling up right there, and you're gonna get. And avalanche. Green Bay, it never felt like that. Like I, no, I, no they were good. I, you thought I was trying to jinx you, and I wasn't. I just said to you midway through the game, nice pick because I knew there was no way the 49ers were getting outside that number. Green Bay yeah. was gonna be there. They were definitely skiing the slope. So I'm on Detroit. Amos on San Francisco. That's how we're closing things out here for championship week. Uh, we both agree that we think the Ravens are going to move forward and be in the Super Bowl. It's just going to be a hardball kind of football season here uh, that, that we think we think that's how that's going to shake out. So that's going to be it for us, man. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you're here for the first time or haven't done it already, go ahead and subscribe to the show, whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening on Anchor, Spotify or Apple Music or whatever whatever you're using to stream your podcast these days. There's so many things out there. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever it's located on the screen. We'd greatly appreciate that. And uh, outside of that, man, enjoy the games this weekend. It's championship weekend and always some fun. We're going to know who's in the Super Bowl the next and time. And check on your friends when they leave the house. Oh, for God's sakes, we didn't even touch on that. But no, we'll talk about that. We'll, later. we'll let yeah. it slide. Don't let your friends freeze to death. In the backyard, if you happen to be in that part of town, it's never a good look for you uh, in front of the judge. So anyway, for Abel Calamina, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for watching and listening to the T-Chumps Football Podcast. See you guys next week.